Turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. Matthew, pardon me, Matthew, chapter 24. I want to begin reading in verse 3, read through verse 14. The Lord Jesus is speaking on the Mount of Olives. It says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise or shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound... The love of many shall wax cold, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. So the question tonight, he is coming. Are you ready? Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I pray, Heavenly Father, you'd use the word to steady our hearts to comfort us, strengthen us, and challenge us to be what we ought to be for the honor and glory of our great Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we'll thank you as you move upon our hearts. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. I came into the office yesterday morning, and after my Bible reading and prayer time, I decided to check on the news. And obviously, I was shocked at the events that had taken place over in the Middle East. And, of course, immediately you begin to think of so many possibilities as different nations get involved in the fray of what's taking place over there. It could easily reach around the world. And I know that may sound impossible to some people, but World War I started really in a very small country. And it spread very quickly to where it seemed like the whole world was engulfed in World War I. And I think the situation around the world is far more volatile today than what it was back then. But I thought immediately some of the things that will happen. For instance, there will be uh, people wondering is what's taking place, the fulfillment of prophecy. And even the things that we've seen, there seems to be some things going along with, with what the Lord Jesus Christ said. But he said that's the beginning of sorrows. And those things have happened many times through history. And uh, you begin to wonder, is Christ about to come? And as I was reading the stories on the the main page, and I don't remember if it's Fox News or one of those, but there was a small story about there being three earthquakes in different parts of the world of pretty good size. There was an earthquake in Papua New Guinea, about 6.7 on the Richter scale. There was another one in Mexico, 6.3 on the Richter scale, and then one in Afghanistan, and they said in that story that that was at 5.6. However, I read an article just a little bit before the service tonight that said that that has now been upgraded to 6.3 and they feared that up to 2,000 
have died in the, the country of Afghanistan. Of course, that's lost in the news right now for what's going on over there. But I thought, wow, that's interesting. Same time that all this stuff takes place. The three earthquakes in different parts of the world that take place. And we find mention of earthquakes in the passage that we read. I was asked about an internal invasion because of our own open borders and all the different terrorists from several different countries that have been allowed in uh, because we've had absolutely no control of our own borders in this country. And what happens, of course, if they rise up, America could easily be neutralized and bothered about its own problems. I mentioned the other day about a story that was in one of the news services that in the month of September, 50 children, 50 children in the Cleveland school system are just missing. And the police have no idea how or why or what. As a matter of fact, they even said in the story, this was just Cleveland, Ohio. This wasn't around the country. That's just in Cleveland, Ohio, that in the Cleveland, Ohio school districts, that over a thousand since the beginning of the year, since January 1st, that's just one city. Imagine all the different cities of any size all over the country, and you wonder what must the numbers be like there? Were children just being snatched, taken away? And since they didn't have any clue, we're obviously not talking about the children where they're simply a family squabble, but children being taken in this country. There's been news for weeks about the need to stockpile for coming shortages that had already been being predicted before all this stuff take place. Now, I'm not as worried about that because I've got a scripture that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. This is not a message tonight to leave you in fear. I'm sitting back and I'm wondering, what is next? What may be next? The, the truth is, it may not go much farther, but it may go a great deal farther. Is this a sign that Jesus is coming back? Well, we're not looking for signs. Uh, and we know that all the signs in the New Testament concerning the second coming of Jesus, I'm talking about signs now, are all concerning the revelation of Jesus Christ when he comes all the way to the earth to set up his kingdom. And we know that Jesus, of course, takes his believers out before, seven years before, before the tribulation starts, he's going to take the believers out in what is called the rapture. And we've covered that many times. I'll not go through all that. But one of the important things about that is the very clear doctrine in the scripture of the imminent returning of Christ, that he can come back at any time. We have several commands about watching for his return. You remember that the Lord Jesus Christ, when he ascended up into heaven, the angels appeared to the uh, disciples as Jesus ascended up into heaven, up into the clouds, and they said, this same Jesus, which is taken up from you, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go up into heaven. Even in this chapter, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, Jesus commanded the disciples, watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. In Mark chapter 13, beginning in verse 35, the scripture says, watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight or at the cock growing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. In Luke 12, 10, he says, be therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. 
In Revelation 22, 12, we get to the end of the book and he tells him many times that he's coming quickly. He says there, and lo, I, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Paul spoke about it many times. Titus 2, 13, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. He also wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Philippians 1, our chapter 3 and verse 20, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Even James warned in James 5, 8, Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. In Revelation 16, 15, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Of course, we have the rather lengthy discussion beginning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13 and going on through chapter 5 and verse 10, a description both of the rapture of the church and why we who are children of the light were not of the night nor of the darkness that we recognize that he's coming. But it's not about signs. He could come today. I hope he comes today. That'd be a wonderful thing. And you can see how the world is all set for a peacemaker, which the Antichrist will be when he takes over. As the nations crumble all around the world, there has been a relaxing, of course, in, I hate to say immigration. It's not immigration. It's just... Um, Oh, what, what can we call it? It's just people crossing borders and so that the nations are now all mixed up in so many ways. And there are many scoffers. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, knowing this verse, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. Man, that's today. Scoffers of anything right and holy. Scoffers of the second coming. To where I even heard a, an independent Baptist preacher mocking those who believe Jesus could come today, could come at any time. Say they all sound the same. Brock, Brock, uh, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. I'm surprised someone would make fun who claimed to believe the Bible. They'd make fun of Jesus Christ coming back. That's what the world does. But he said there'd be scoffers in the last day. And there are. And of course, what do these scoffers say? Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. But he is coming. Now, maybe from this, this may be being used of the Lord. I don't know. As I said, of course, in the beginning, with all the turmoil that's taking place, God is not in heaven wringing his hands. God is still in control. He knows what is going on, and he has a plan. And by the way, this is why I've never gotten real excited about the Trilateral Commission or the uh, Illuminati or anything like that. If that's what's going to be the vehicle to bring these folks to power, 
Uh, you're not going to stop it. And we're not told to work about stopping it. We're told to win people to Jesus. I mean, we've got a program for the church and it doesn't include the Illuminati and it doesn't include the Trilateral Commission. We're to be busy serving the Lord Jesus Christ. That stuff tends to get people's mind off the real issue. We're to be watching for his coming. We're to be looking for him. Man, the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, we all know that Jesus came the first time. And if you've read your Bible, you know that Jesus is coming back. But there are some major differences between those two comings, between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. One of the problems, of course, that Israel had back in the Old Testament was too many times they mixed prophecies concerning the second coming with the prophecies concerning the first coming of Jesus. Now, we know his coming was prophesied, and uh, not only is it mentioned several times in the Scripture, for instance, when Peter's preaching in Acts chapter 10 and verse 43, he says to him, speaking of Jesus, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Even Jesus talking to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, who were really disheartened because they thought that this Jesus of Nazareth had been the Christ, but now he'd been crucified, and they were disheartened. And he, they, he said to them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So it was well documented in the scripture that he was coming. He was coming to suffer and to die for our sins and to be raised from the dead with several prophecies throughout the Old Testament dealing with that. But there's a number of prophecies also in the Old Testament that deal with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we can distinguish between the two now because let's face it, the prophecies concerning the first coming have already been fulfilled. But there are three special differences between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. The first time, the purpose for the second coming is different than his purpose for the first coming. You say, what was his purpose for the first coming? Well, Jesus stated it in a number of places, but in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, he said, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. It's stated again in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 11. In John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's why he came. He came to save sinners. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. The Apostle Paul, after giving his testimony of being Lost and how he was when he was lost. He says this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. In Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, the scripture says, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Redeemed us. From the law. We were condemned by the law. Thank God He has redeemed us from the law. Now that gets down. How did He do that? Obviously, that's where the gospel of Jesus Christ comes in. 
For Paul says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That is the gospel message. He died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He had to be that perfect sacrifice, blameless, without spot. And thank God He was and is. Hallelujah. He's the only one who could die to pay for our sins. Now, he came to do that. That's the reason he came. You say, but he did a lot of miracles. Yes, but that's not why he came. Had Jesus simply done miracles and then ascended on up into heaven, we'd all still be lost. Nobody would be saved because our sins would not have been taken care of. Thank God he didn't come to do miracles primarily. He came to save the lost. He came for the world. He died for all people. That's why the command is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So much hate in the world, and it didn't begin in the last 20 years. Been going on forever. People groups hate people groups. Not as much, you know, the world wants us to believe in racism. That's not the problem. The problem is difference. For some reason, people, it's part of our sinful nature. We simply hate people who are different. We're suspicious of them. We're suspicious of their ways. I'm talking about every people. It is part of our fleshly nature. And hatred goes along with that. It's part of our fleshly nature. So his first coming was to take care of our sins. That was the purpose of it. His second coming is to take his children out of the world and pour out his wrath upon what's left. His second coming. First, he'll catch us away. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In the moment, the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Hallelujah. Thank God for the victory he has wrought, so he can come and catch us out of here. It's interesting. I want you to turn over to the book of Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Jesus preaches his first message after his baptism, and he preaches it in his hometown of Nazareth. And he starts out by quoting from Isaiah chapter 61 and verses 1 and 2. You'll notice in verse 18, here, here's the quote Jesus is speaking. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now that's where he closed. He's, and then he says, as he closed the book, he gave it to them. To the ministers sat down, the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now turn over to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 61. The very passage that he quoted. That he read. Isaiah 61. And notice beginning in verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me 
Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And that's where Jesus stopped. That was his first coming. Here's what's next. And the day of vengeance of our God. He didn't come for vengeance from our God, but God will be a God of vengeance during the time of the tribulation. Just read beginning in chapter 6 of the book of the Revelation with the opening of the seals. And then there's more judgments that will also take place. What a horrendous time it will be on this planet. And thank God that we are not appointed under wrath but we will be caught up out of here already and in heaven. Now, I believe there's some things that are going to take place, and I'll talk about that in just a moment, in heaven. For the first time, he came to die for our sins. The second time, he's coming to take his believers home and to begin to pour out his wrath upon the earth. And all of that could begin tonight or tomorrow or the next day. I've been looking for his coming for a long time. We're commanded to be looking for his coming. It is the blessed hope to be taken out of here, to be at home. So the purpose of the two comings is different. Secondly, the timing of his coming is different. In the first coming, the scripture said in Galatians 4 and verse uh, verse 4, For when the fullness of time was come... God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. Now, in the book of Daniel, chapter 9, you have the timing of his first coming in the first 69 of Daniel's 70 weeks. So you've got the timing of his first coming. You've got a sign that would be shown. There would be a star that would appear according to the book of Numbers. By the way... Even though in Jerusalem they seemed to be ignorant that it was the time of his coming. But those wise men, wise men of whom Daniel had been one of them during his time in the captivity. They would have known of Daniel's book. So they would have known of the timing of the birth of the king of the Jews. The one that would come. They would have known of that. They would have known because no doubt the Jews that were in Babylon had the law of God. So they would have had the book of Numbers. They had read about the star. They had believed what the scripture said. And they were looking for the one who was the king of the Jews. They followed the star. What a shame that the people that were right there in the land didn't get it. People in Jerusalem didn't get it. Even when Herod, who who didn't know where he was supposed to be born, he sent to his wise men. They searched out the scriptures and they said, At Bethlehem, you wonder why on earth those ones that just read the scripture didn't go with the wise men. Evidently, they weren't very wise. You just understand that it was at the appointed time when it took place. But get this, nobody knows the timing of his second coming. Only the Father knows that time. He is coming. Oh, there have been people tried to predict when he's coming. The Jehovah's Witnesses have tried it several times. And, of course, when he didn't come each of those times, they had to come up with different explanations of what was going on. Uh, not, but they're not, he's not, they're not the only ones. Other people have done the same thing. Seventh-day Adventists did it with 
Uh, E.G. White and others, they predicted the coming of Christ. Sun Young Moon believed that he was the second coming of Christ. He didn't come on a white horse, though, but he said he was coming to do what Jesus failed to do. What Jesus failed to do was set up the perfect family. And that's why Sun Young Moon came, which is why he performed those hundreds of weddings at a time in different ball stadiums where people would be there by the thousands for that. Of course, he's now dead and found out he wasn't the second coming of Christ. And hopefully his followers have gotten it too. But he's coming again. We don't know when. He's coming as a thief in the night. And it could be today. But also, you don't know when you're going to die. I'm looking for his coming, but I recognize that I may die before he comes. So the Bible warns us, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Thank God I got to hear some great preachers who preached on the second coming of Christ. It is a motivation for a number of things, knowing that he could come at any moment. And the scripture even says that. In 1 John chapter 3, he says, For every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. You want to be clean when he comes back. Well, wouldn't it be terrible to get caught up to heaven and you've got some filthy rock song on your lips while you're going up? And buddy, that'll be in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. How embarrassing would that be? You can guess at the time frame, but in God's time is when he's coming. Yes, as it is appointed unto man once to die after this judgment, I might die today. And any number of things can take me out of here. Personally, I'm looking for the uptaker instead of the undertaker. I'm still looking for the uptaker. And that is my prayer with John. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Well, what about that? rapture of the church where he catches us away. Well, let's read it together. Turn over to the book of 1 uh, Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want you to see it. I think that's even more important than me just simply reading it to you. Notice how he begins the conversation in verse 13. He said, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from the heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of the light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken, 
are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. What a glorious promise. No man knows the day or the hour. People keep trying to figure it out. Back in 1987, there was a former, he said, at least NASA scientist that wrote a book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Come in 1988. He had him coming during Rosh Hashanah, which is a time around uh, sometime in the middle of of September uh, of 1988. Jesus didn't come in September of 1988. So he came out with another little booklet that was sent out, uh, 88 Reasons Why He's Coming in 1989. And his explanation in the second book was that he missed it the first time by a year. Well, he found out he missed it by more than a year later on. Whenever somebody starts writing that they think they know the day or the time that they've got it down, they're going to be made fools of. There was another little booklet that was handed to me by one of our folks about that Jesus was coming in 2006. And it was interesting in the preface, he said, that the proof that I am right is that he'll come. I think it was June the 6th, 2006. It was some date like that. And he says, if we're still here on June the 7th, then I missed it. Well, on June the 7th, I sat and thought about sitting down writing him a letter and say, you missed it. I mean, really, how stupid is that? Jesus has already spoken about that. He's already told us no man knows the day or the hour. You hear some prophecy person telling you they're getting us. By the way, I've been reading a little booklet on this booklet that's out there called uh, Jesus Calling. Man, you talk about a heretic and a half. The person that wrote that is... uh, a heretic and a half multiplied by infinity. And it's amazing how many people who claim to be saved follow garbage exactly like that. It's just like following the shack. Another piece of nonsense. Anyway, not only was the purpose of the two comings different, but the timing of the two comings is different, and the judgment of the two comings is different. You realize in the first time and the first coming, Jesus judged sin, death, and the devil. He died on the cross. He died to take the sting out of sin, the condemnation of sin. He paid our price. Hallelujah. He won victory, according to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, over the devil. The Bible says this in Romans 6, 9, and 10, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory is in him. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Notice what he says beginning in verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death... He might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You see, he came. He took care of that. 
So that when a physical death comes, thank God, my eternity, my destiny is secure in him. Hell is only for unbelievers. Heaven is only for believers. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Now, he took care of that in his first coming. That was judgment upon sin, upon the devil, uh, upon the flesh. At the second coming, saved, go to the judgment seat of Christ. There is a judgment. Yeah, we get caught up. But guess what happens next for us? The judgment seat of Christ. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the things done in this body, how we spent our Christian life. Now for the lost, it's wrath on earth for those who are living. And of course, the others will be called up after Jesus comes all the way to the earth. And after, of course, uh, uh, after, of course, well, at the great white throne judgment, they will be there before they're cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. So for the lost, hell at death, great white throne judgment later. Uh, note in verse 44 of the passage that we, uh, in Matthew chapter 24, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. He's coming whether you're ready or not. Regardless of what this leads to, what's going on, over in the Holy Land right now, he's still coming. He was coming before that took place. He's still coming. He's coming till he comes. And it could be at any time. As a matter of fact, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Instead of being worried about it, what about just saying, even so come Lord Jesus. Even so, we're looking to you. And what about in the meantime? You see, Jesus came the first time so you could be ready for the second time. So he told Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not, I said unto thee, ye must be born again. You know, there's a false teaching that unfortunately comes from an awful lot of churches who don't believe their Bible. They believe we're all children of God. That's a lie. We're not all children of God. See, the first birth only put us into the human family, but you got to have the second birth to be in his family. That second birth is a spiritual birth, and it only comes through trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Uh, we could hear, uh, I just wonder if we could hear what's going on in heaven even right now, it'd probably stir our hearts. After all, the time's coming, we get to go home. Be great to be part of that crowd where we all go up together. Amen. Now, some Christians, whenever stuff like what's going on happens, and I don't have any doubt that there'll be some people get on their podcasts. Some people will uh, buy television specials to talk about these are signs of Jesus coming back. And uh, they'll get a lot of people worried about it. Every time Harold Camping said that Jesus was coming back. There'd always be, he'd get news media coverage and many people would come to church that Sunday before Jesus was supposed to come back. And that matter of fact, I can remember when I was in Manchester, Tennessee, and he made one of his first pronouncements that Jesus was coming back at a certain date. Uh, we had three or four families that were in church that Sunday because they wanted to make sure that when Jesus came back, they'd been in church. 
We had one family ask us to baptize their baby. I said, we don't baptize babies. We don't baptize believers. Not going to happen. People get all concerned about it. Well, right now, I'm still looking for his coming. And if it's today, hallelujah. If it's tomorrow, that's great. The truth is we're not to be living for him just because he may come. He is coming. You can count on it. It is a surety he's coming. To the lost, as the scripture said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 3, for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Judgment, like nothing we have ever seen on this planet. Read through the book of Revelation. I tell you what, I wouldn't leave this place tonight lost. If you're not saved, you ought to come to Jesus tonight and be born again. He's calling for you. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will. Let him take of the water of life freely. For God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And for us who are saved, man, let's be busy for God. Let's be telling others about the Savior. Let's be passing out these tracts, letting people know that there is a Savior. Give them to people. It's amazing how many folks will take one if you just give them. You say, but I had 10 people refuse tracts. Yeah, but there'll be another 10 that'll take them and just give them. Don't stop because you had a few people refuse. He's still winning people to himself. He's calling on us to talk about him to others. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the marvelous truth that Jesus is coming back. And with all the different scenarios that we can read about with what's going on today, and it could be, it could be a total change in life as we know it on this planet in the next seven days. Could be. Maybe it will be. Maybe it won't be. We sure don't know, but regardless of what it is, good, bad, the same, we're to be living for you. We're to be faithful to you. We're to be glorifying Christ every day in our life. Lord, may we be committed tonight to that walk with Jesus. Have your way in our lives tonight, I pray. Bless in this invitation, I ask. In Jesus' name.